today. And uh, Don, if you bring the lights up just as bright as we can possibly get them, that would be great. And, and uh, let's look into the, into the scripture today. I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, the seventh chapter. The Gospel of Mark, chapter seven. The title of the message this morning is He Does All Things Well. He Does All Things Well. Now, what we want to do today is, uh, as we begin this passage of Scripture, we're really beginning, kind of turning the page just a little bit, uh, to to the last section of the Gospel of Mark, beginning with chapter 7. It's an important section of Scripture because Jesus starts his his third year of ministry. If you've been with us the last six or seven weeks, I've been in a series called Storm Chasers, where our focus was Jesus' disciples and how Jesus transformed them and shaped them into ministry. And what he did was he led them into a series of circumstances where they met people in the middle of a storm in their life. And Jesus taught them how to minister in the middle of the storm in people's lives. This morning what we're doing is we're turning our attention just a bit. Because in chapter 7, verse 24, through the end of the book of Mark, the focus is not so much on the disciples of Jesus as it is on Jesus. On Jesus, the King. And so that's what we're going to be in for the remainder of the year up until Advent. And I hope that you'll just be along with us as we do just a line-by-line study of Mark chapter 7 all the way to chapter 13 uh, and uh, as Jesus enters into Jerusalem. Now, I want you to read with me chapter 7 and verse 24. Chapter 7 and verse 24. It says, Jesus left that place, and we found out that's where we were two weeks ago, and that place was on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee in uh, in Israel, and Jesus leaves that place, and it says he went to the vicinity of Tyre, and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know about it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. Go ahead and go to the next slide because I want to give you a little bit of geography lesson. I apologize for forgetting my uh, pointer uh, this morning. Uh, but if you'll notice here on the left side, this is a, 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 an Ill, uh, rather a map of uh, Palestine in Jesus' day and on the right today. You'll notice all the way up in the uh, top, or right, uh, the, the top quadrant, you'll see Galilee. You'll see the Ga- Sea of Galilee. That's the blue dot there in the middle. Uh, uh, here is Jerusalem and, and uh, Gaza. We've heard so much about that in recent times. Uh, is here to the, on the coast of the sea, uh, uh, Mediterranean Sea. We will find today Jesus turning his attention, and this is extremely important. Now to give you the map for this reason, Jesus turns his attention for the first and only time from Israel, and he actually travels outside of Israel to do ministry. All of his ministry takes place in Israel, whether it's in Jerusalem or whether it's in Galilee. He spends all of his time uh, within the nation of Israel, except for this brief, and over the next two sermons, I'm going to develop this, uh, and Jesus extends his ministry. If you can see up in the north, uh, up in the uh, top corner to the left, the, the, the name of the city of Tyre. That will be uh, the first story that we're going to look at today, and that is in current day Lebanon, And then if you can see this word right here, Decapolis, Decapolis just stands for ten cities. That's what it means. And the next story is going to take place in the region of Decapolis. I thought it would be interesting to be able to see where this is today. Uh, You see Jerusalem here, and this is a map of of Israel. Uh, Today you see Jerusalem here, Gaza to the left, so much in the news about 
Gaza. You see the proximity uh, to uh, Israel and to Jerusalem. If you go way up to the top, you'll notice in the nation of Lebanon, Tyre. Immediately to the right of that, you'll notice Syria, the Golan Heights, just to the left of that. So much, you've got to be watching the news these days, so much about Syria. We may have troops on the ground there very soon. Bombing probably very, very soon in Syria. You move your attention to the west of, uh, I'm sorry, to the east of the Jordan River, and you see the nation of Jordan today. The ten cities, the Decapolis, that, that region is in that region uh, of, uh, of Jordan, modern-day Jordan. Now, I tell you all of that because I want to give you a focus for all of these messages, Jesus is the King. And it's really two motivations that that I'm seeking to pull out of this section of Scripture because it is key in this section of Scripture and runs through the rest of the study of the Gospel of Mark, uh, two critical, critical issues, motivations not just for studying the Word, but motivations that drive our ministry here at Chester Christian Church. Number one, go to the next slide. Number one, Jesus is the King for all peoples. Jesus is the king for all people. Jesus moving outside the nation of Israel shows that he isn't just interested in Israelites coming to know Jesus, but he wants all the world to know Jesus. And that ought to mean something to us. Because as Americans, if Jesus never traveled outside of Israel, we would never have received the gospel. And that is our challenge to reach people uh, in our village that don't know Jesus and around the world, and we are focused on both of those things as a church. But the second thing that I want you to notice is a longing for his presence. Did you read in verse 24, it says, He left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre, and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence uh, silent. Folks, I want you to understand, wherever the king is present, people will begin knowing about it. And if there's a desire that's above any other desire in my heart, other than reaching lost people for Jesus, it's for Jesus to be present right here as we meet and worship together. Can I get an amen on that? Man, y'all don't sound very convincing for me this morning. It's going to be a tough message if y'all aren't better than that. I believe that if Jesus is not present as we worship together, I ought to just close the book and go home today. Can I get an amen on that? All right, all right. That's what we're about, and we just want to focus on that as a church. Now there's two stories in this section, the last half of, the, of uh, Mark chapter 7 that we're going to focus on today. The first section is about a woman that receives a touch from Jesus, and the second is about a man that receives a, a, a touch from Jesus. Now in the first story, I want us kind of uh, to focus on when we have a problem, when we have a, a sincere need, how we ought to approach Jesus with that need. And this woman shows that. And in the second story, I want to share with you three things about King Jesus that ought to encourage you this morning, especially if you're in need or in pain this morning. Four things, number one, first story, four things uh, from a Gentile woman. And remember, she was not Jewish. She was a Gentile woman about how we ought to approach God. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, you can jot them down. The first one is this. She came to Jesus with desperation. She came to Jesus with desperation. Verse 25 and 26 says this. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit, foul spirit, unclean spirit, wicked spirit, all of those words uh, describe evil. 
came and fell at his feet. Now, the woman was a Greek born in Syria, Phoenicia, and she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Now, the woman had four obstacles against her in coming to Jesus that day. Number one was her nationality. She was not Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. And Jesus had ministered primarily to Jewish people, though there had been a few Greeks that had come and received Gentiles that had come to Jesus. But this was the first time he had been outside of Israel And the moment he got outside of Israel, even though he was trying to keep himself, his presence a secret, this Gentile woman, and that's the second obstacle. She was a woman. Now, for us in our day, that may not mean so much, but in Jesus' day, the fact that you were a woman meant that you did not have very much clout in coming before a man. Number three, the the third obstacle was Jesus' disciples. Now, it doesn't say in this text, but in Matthew chapter 15, in verse 23, it says, when the woman comes to Jesus, Jesus' disciples say, Lord, send her away, because she's a Gentile. But the greatest obstacle of all is Satan. This evil spirit, this foul, wicked, filthy spirit of Satan had possessed her daughter. Folks, I want you to understand that Satan is a thief and he's a destroyer. And I don't care what he says to you. I don't care how he tempts you. I don't care how sweet he appears to you and the temptations that he gives you. He wants nothing less than destroying you and your family and your marriage. And he will do whatever it takes to make that happen. The woman comes and she is desperate for Jesus. I love Psalm uh, 42 and verse 1. It says, as the deer pants for streams of water, my soul thirsts for the living God. She falls at Jesus' feet and she begs, would you please touch my daughter? Where are you desperate this morning? I believe everybody here is desperate for Jesus in one way or another. You wouldn't be in church today if you weren't. You'd be out doing something else if you weren't. But just the fact that you're here, there is a need, there's a a, a desperation in your soul that you're saying, I need Jesus in my life today. Number two, First thing was, we see that the woman came with desperation. Number two, she came with humility. With humility, verse 25. Verse 25 says, in uh, in fact, as soon as uh, she heard uh, about Jesus, the woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I believe it was her desperation that led to her humility. And one of the reasons we struggle with being humble before God, and and we want to bargain with God and pretend as if we have something to offer him, when we actually have nothing to bargain with at all, is the pride of our souls. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And friends, I want to tell you, the only way to approach God to receive mercy is to approach him through humility. Number three, she came with persistence. Number one, she came with desperation. Number two, with humility. Number three, she was persistent. She was persistent. Now, this is important. Verse 26 through 28, if there was ever a time when Jesus spoke to someone that that just seems out of character, this is it. Jesus' statement to the woman, I got to tell you right up front, seems rude. It just seems out of place. It doesn't sound Jesus-like at all. But let's study what Jesus has to say. Verse 26, it says, The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian, uh, in Syrian Phoenicia, and she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. 
that, that's her need. And watch what Jesus says. He said, first let the children eat all they want, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Are you kidding me? Does anybody listen to that and say, this is not my Jesus? You know, it's not the Jesus that I think of. It just seems to just crash. It's a smack in the face. This woman is in real need and real problems. She's got a daughter that is demon-possessed. And Jesus says, hey, it's not right to take uh, the bread uh, that's supposed to be for the children and throw it to the dogs. That, that just seems out of place. Can anybody, is there anybody else that sees that this morning? Do you, do you see that? I mean, it just seems just the strangest statement that Jesus ever makes. And the woman says, yes, Lord, verse 28, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Now, what kind of answer does Jesus give? The key words are children and dogs. Children and dogs. Let me explain the, the words are fascinating that Jesus uses here. In the Old Testament, the Israelites were called the children of God, uh, the children of God. Over and over and over again, they were called the children of God. But God gave his children, Israel, a specific assignment. And that was to share his glory, to tell his glory among all peoples, among all the nations. I'll give you one of only 1,600 times in the Old Testament when God gives this responsibility to the Israelites. In Isaiah 66, verse 19, God says to the Israelites, proclaim my glory among the nations, to the distant islands that have not heard my fame, profane, uh, proclaim my glory. Now, the, the job assignment was simple. Israelites, you are my children. But as you're my children, I expect you to proclaim my glory, to make sure that everybody around you knows my fame and that they can understand who I am so that they come follow me too. But instead, Israel refused. And they called Gentiles, non-Jews, Gentiles the dogs, wild dogs. They referred to anybody else that was not Jewish as dogs. Do you want to understand the tension taking place in Israel and Gaza and all the rest of Palestine and the Middle East? They have not changed in their attitude at all. The Israelites are children of God. Everybody else, the dogs of the earth, wild dogs. But Jesus gives this woman a glimmer of hope because he uses two important words. Remember I said children and dogs, two important words? When Jesus uses the word children, he does not use the word for just a simple child. He uses the word a small child, a little child. And when he uses the word uh, for dogs, he does not talk about the wild dogs. He uses our word for puppies. You see the glimmer of hope that Jesus has given this woman? The gospel's for the little children of God. puppies are underneath the table. I'll leave that to you to think about this morning. But the woman comes and she begs Jesus with persistence. She didn't quit begging. She continued over and over and over again. Sometimes people ask me, how long, how many times should I ask God for something? You know, I'm praying about something. When should I give up and just stop bugging about something? You know what my response is? When he answers. Until he answers, keep on asking him for what you desire in your heart. In Luke chapter 11, verse 9, Jesus says, Ask, seek, and knock. 
and the door will be opened to you. Your prayers will be answered. And all of those words are continual uh, action words. He doesn't say just ask one time uh, and then quit asking. He doesn't just say seek one time and then quit seeking. He doesn't say knock one time and then quit knocking. Now, I guarantee you that Paul and Becky, you heard their story here a few minutes ago, I guarantee you that they did not pray for a job once. I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. In six months, I would bet you that Paul prayed every single day for a job. You know, every day, six months, every day. And God finally answered. 